For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. on the backside. My apologies. My apologies. What's up, cuz? Over the line, back at it after a long break. A really long break. And I feel like I repeat myself every time we come back. We're coming back from a long break. That's just that's just how that works out. So, excited to be back. There's just too much news to not get after it. Especially with the way some of these Democrat primaries are ramping up. I I needed to squeeze one in here before we got to the first official debate for the Democrats. Because that's actually this week. This week, the Democrats will be debating each other. The claws will be out. And if you're like me, uh, you enjoy watching Democrats eat each other alive, which is what they will be doing. It's the best thing ever. Now, Democrats, first of all, are in the business of painting themselves in a corner because they make up all these stupid rules that don't really exist. Like you can't make fun of this group or that group or you can't attack this candidate because he's black or this one because she's female, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, they realize, I can't even run for president because I can't take shots or talk about anybody. I have to just sit back. Eventually, they throw those out the window. But then you've got one candidate asking another candidate to apologize for something he said. He was being insensitive. And 
So it's just, I love it. Absolutely love it. Some of the best entertainment TV can possibly provide. So uh, we're going to get into that. I'm going to do that in just a moment. Uh, and I'm also going to try to interact with some of you guys that are watching the live video on the YouTubes uh, that uh, actually get on here and chat. I haven't been good about that in the past because I feel like I've got a million things going on. Do have a special guest coming up. Uh, my man Victor here brings up 99.5. We will have the one and only Andrea Lindenberg here on the show. She's going to call in and tell you about the Jawbone Jam in case you guys are in Birmingham and you want to come down there. First of all, I need to show you this. Okay. Now, y'all on YouTube, y'all can see this. You listen to the podcast. You cannot. What it is, I found it at a gas station today. This is a pen. A pen. All right. Take the little cap off here. You got yourself a pen, right? I don't even know if it works. I hadn't tried it. Oh, yes. All right. It's beautifully. Um, on the top of this pen, you have the one and only Donald Trump. All right. And, uh, and as you work your way down the pen, you notice he's got little arms with boxing gloves because Donald Trump is a fighter. When you uh, push the button on the back, he throws a punch. How about that? And each time you do that, he has a saying that goes along with each punch. For instance, I'm going to build a wall. Right. This is the best five bucks you could possibly spend. Make America great again. How can you lose? How can you lose? And the pen writes magically. I'm a pen snob, too. I, I really will get upset if I don't have a good pen. And uh, this one's solid. I like the ones that put out a lot of ink on the paper. This one's not one of those, but I can deal with it because... It's Donald Trump. And it gives me Donald Trump sayings all the time. My IQ is huge. I love it. I love it. Uh, second of all, second of all, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, at Andrew McLean Who, you've seen this story. I posted a big thread earlier so you guys could read about my Uber experience that I, I had go down yesterday. But I'm going to tell it again for those of you that didn't see it. Plus, it's easier for me to tell it than it is for me to type it. I don't even know how that thing turned out. So off the top, um, I'm I'm chilling at the house, okay? And here's what I'll do is I'm I'm at home. I will keep the 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 Uber and Lyft apps on in the background, okay? So the way that works for those of you that are not familiar, as a driver, you have an app, you turn it on, and you just wait. You wait for someone to need a ride. They will then go to their app, click it, request a ride. The closest person to that person needing a ride will get the request. So that driver gets it, accepts it, and then goes to the destination. It's got a GPS and all that stuff. So I'm sitting at the house. I get a request for somebody by the name of, well, I guess I don't need to put her name out there. Uh, let's call her Hillary. Okay. So this chick's name is Hillary for, you know, uh, privacy's sake. Uh, so I get this request and hold on. I'm trying to make sure 
I've got my connection going here. I, I don't want to uh, lose y'all. Oh, I'm on the wrong connection. Let me see if I can swap that around without getting completely booted off here. And that might happen. Y'all just hang with me for a second. Um, so we'll call this chick Hillary. I, I get a notification from Hillary. She needs a ride. I go to the location. And, uh, well, I'm sorry. Let me start over. I'm getting confused because I had the, the, the thing was messing up. I get the request, and as soon as I get the request, it's got a note attached to it. The note says, and I had to, I'll explain why I had to PG this up. But the note says, 15 pack of Natty Ice and two packs of the cheapest menthol 100s, please. Okay. Um, on Twitter, I put chips and candy or something. Because Uber people are snobs and they get bent out of shape about delivering beer which there's nothing wrong with that okay two consenting adults trading beer whatever so the note says 15 pack of natty ice and um and two packs of smokes i'm like okay fair enough let's go do it so it leads me to the gas station um first of all i have to text her and i'm like is this stuff already paid for because i mean you're talking about 20 bucks and 20 bucks is 20 bucks uh, she said, no, if you'll pay for it, I will, uh, tip you very well and reimburse you, blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever, whatever. So I'll do it, because I'm, I'm feeling froggy, I'm feeling nice, I'm, uh, uh, looking to help somebody out. It's having a bad day, need some beer and some smokes. I've been in that situation, so, uh, fair enough, I'll do it. Get some good karma coming my way. So we get to the store. They don't have the Natty Ice in the 15-pack. So I have to call this chick back. And I'm like, hey, they don't have this, but they have uh, Keystone Light or whatever it was. She's like, yeah, 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 that's fine. Um, I just, I have epilepsy and I can't go to the store. I can't drive. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, that's, that's new. Uh, she said, also, when you get here... Just yell my name. I'll be on the roof of my house where I am cutting down limbs that are leaning on my rooftop. <laughs> I'm like, at that point, I'm starting to get a little concerned, nervous, suspicious. I don't know. I had a bunch of feelings going on at that moment that I couldn't really describe. Uh, so I get the items. I get the goods. Put him in the car, and we start heading to Hillary's house. Uh, I get to Hillary's house. I have to call Hillary because when I get to the address, it looks like an abandoned house, like nobody lives there. A couple of junked-up cars in the driveway that looks like they haven't been driven in um, years. The grass is three feet tall, okay? And it just looks it looks like a trap house. Uh, I call Hillary. Hillary says, oh, I'm coming. I'm coming out all my way. And that's exactly how she sounds. I'm not exaggerating. So Hillary comes out through the three foot of grass like uh, a movie trailer for The Sound of Music. You know, when the lady's in the dress and she's running through the field or whatever. So the grass is much higher than, than it is on the movie. 
So she comes trotting out, okay? I'm like, oh, hey, got your stuff, blah, blah, blah. So uh, she's visibly excited that I'm there with beer and cigarettes. I hand her the case of Keystone Light, and she she takes it by the handle, and she, with such ease, too, tosses it behind her on the ground. Not like sits it down or starts to sit it down and just kind of lightly drops it on the ground. She tosses it. A full case of beer, okay? And I'm like, whoa, all right. She's obviously already drunk, okay? So I hand her then the cigarettes, and as soon as I do, I see the expression on her face start to change. And you know when somebody, right before they start crying, they get that expression. I don't know if it's like a quivering lip or just the, the, the structure of their face just changes, okay? And at that moment, she starts crying her eyes out. And I don't mean Indian on the side of the road where garbage is being thrown out, tear running down the face, one single solitary tear. She is crying, crying, bawling. And she holds her arms out like this as if she's saying, come on, bring it in. I need a hug. I don't know what to do. I'm frozen at this point. And my hands are at my side like I'm, you know, in boot camp. And she comes up and she just gets with this big bear hug, wraps her arms around me, pinning my arms against my sides. And she is squeezing just as tight as she can as she is crying her eyes out. And I'm thinking, dear Lord Jesus, please, please, I will be a better person tomorrow. I will start going to church more often. I will do all the things, all the things that the Bible says we should do if you will just get me out of this situation. So after what seemed like two days, she finally lets go. And I immediately jump in the car. And as I am peeling out of the driveway, slinging gravel and whatever else, I yell out the window, uh, I hope things start looking up and take care. Did I mean those things? Probably not. I mean, I do hope her day gets better or her life or whatever's going on because I don't have a clue. Unless it's just being drunk and having epilepsy. Or maybe she's just scared of heights. I don't know. But I got out of there as soon as I could. And it was an experience that may take uh, a decent amount of therapy to get over. Because it's all I've thought about. What could have happened while I was at this lady's house? If I didn't leave when I did, what was next? What was next? Hey, um... Kumbaya, was she going to break out a guitar? We were going to sing Kumbaya together. Was I going to be her therapist at that point? I was not going to stick around and find out. Had no time for that whatsoever. So anyway, that's what happened. If y'all didn't see that on Twitter, it's there. At Andrew McLean Who, so check that out. On the line right now, as I told you guys just a moment ago, I have a very special guest. This is the first time this person has ever been on the podcast. It is the one and only... Andrea Lindenberg. Andrea, how are you, ma'am? I think I'm a little nervous. Why are you I nervous? To, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know. I've never been in the Andrew world over here before. <laughs> so thank you so much. You know, did that woman ha actually have a chainsaw? 
Um, yeah, she did, actually. I, she was not holding it when I got there. It was uh-huh. actually still sitting on the roof. She had gotten down by the time. Because uh. I had, I pulled up with my camera out because even before I got there, I'm like, nobody is going to believe this story. So yeah. I've got my phone out. I am ready to snap pictures as soon as I get in this driveway. Yeah. And fortunately, I guess, she was already down. You know, sometimes a girl just needs to have a breakdown and a bag of chips. What are you going to do? You helped her in her moment. <laughs> you ever – well, you didn't hear this part of the story, but I had to I had to do the PG version because the oh. Uber community gets very uh, uppity. There's a lot of home monitors, especially on oh. social media in the Uber community. So it wasn't candy and chips that I had to take her. It was actually a 15-pack oh. of – Natty, I, I'm sorry, Keystone Light and two packs of menthol 100 cigarettes. Okay, let me reverse course. Sometimes a girl just <laughs> needs some Natty Light and some menthol cigarettes. I mean, who among us hasn't been there, right? <laughs> well, that was my <laughs> next question. Have you ever had that moment? Uh, yeah, but I just got in the car and went and got it myself. No, I don't drink beer, so I've never had that particular moment, but uh, I'm sure I've had many like it. But, but that was back before Uber, so you didn't have somebody who was just going to come bring it to you. Right. You had to get your own stuff, you know? Yeah, there's no way the taxi service is going to do what we, uh, Uber okay. and Lyft drivers do. There's no way. You uh, know, my daughter and I were talking about Uber, and apparently there's something for dog care called Rover, and then you've got Airbnb. You know, we're such a jaded society, but in a weird way, we've become more trusting, right? Like we're letting people stay in our homes. We're letting strangers pick us up or you're letting strangers in your car. So as far backward as we're going in this world, we're also progressing and trusting each other. So sometimes you just got to take beer. Sometimes (laughs) you have to do what you got to do, man. Right. Well, and that's the thing. It's things are crazier than ever in this world. Either that or we're just hearing more about it because of the way information flows. But nonetheless, I mean, it's a scary world out there. And we're doing things like just jumping in random people's car. Yeah. And you're taking you're going to random women with double FC and chainsaws and all of that. So way to be part of the change. Hope and change, Andrew. Hope uh, and change. Be the change you want to see. That's what I've always said. Um, It's I had the same concern when I first started doing it. I thought, you know, obviously I had just left the radio station and I I had to do something quick. Um, And I thought, man. This is really weird because I'm just going to have random people getting in my car. And the first few were awkward, but it just uh-huh. gets to the point where, you know, it's it's very routine where you tell the same story over and over and they don't get mad at you because they haven't heard it yet. Oh, yeah, that's true. Everything is fresh and new and it's like the first date only without the dating. Is the most common question you're asked, how, so how long have you been driving? Yes, it is actually. Yeah. Um, and you probably struggle with this as well. I know you, you more than likely do this with Kent, but you find yourself repeating stories or whatever yes. to him yes. a lot, whether it's something he heard you say on the radio or it's something you told him a day or two before. I do that all the time, too. And so I don't know if it is, in fact, a radio thing or if it's, uh, you know, just people just do that. I think it's enhanced by the radio because you're telling stories that maybe you told a loved one or friends, but you haven't told on air. But the great thing, when you hit a certain age, like our memories are somewhat shot because of, well, time in college, 
that we forget the stories. And so it's like 50 first dates. We can tell the stories over and over to our spouses, significant others, and, you know, everything just rolls along nicely. So you have that to look forward to in your aging years. Right. Well, and and you don't know this yet, but it's an amazing feeling to be able to throw a story out there and know they have not heard it yet. So, yes, that's a good thing. Well, I want to, um, before I forget to talk about our big fiesta that we're having, and I know, I I believe you're going to be there and I want as many people to come as possible because when you throw a party, the worst thing that could happen is no one shows up. Right. Right. I mean, you know, we've all, there's that birthday fear when you were a kid, is anybody going to come to my birthday party? Well, we are having a birthday party for top 99.5. We call it the Jawbone Jam. This is the perfect opportunity for you to get your viewers, listeners, uh, people in Uber, invite the epilepsy lady. She would probably (laughs) have a great time. I'm good. Uh, Yeah, but it's Wednesday night at Iron City in Birmingham. Uh, Starts about 6.30 or so. Um, You can go on the website. Tickets are $10. And all the proceeds go to Three Hots in a Cot. If you're not familiar with Three Hots in a Cot, they help veterans. They get veterans off the street. They help them with their, you know, if it's mental health, if it's physical health, finding a job, detox, whatever they're going through. And I know you're a patriot. I I, I love this country. I, I can't imagine a group more deserving than the veterans who are out on the street and feel like the world forgot about them. Yeah. So this is uh, you get to see two bands. All of the personalities from the radio station will be there. We consider you a personality from the radio station, too. So look at that. Yeah, look at you. So you, you come, bring all your friends, come on out. It is, and you'll see two bands. Richard Dixon is in one band. Leela Whaley is in another. It'll just be a lot of fun. It's kind of a way to just get everybody. It's like a weird dysfunctional family reunion. <laughs> right, which we've all been a part of at one time right. or another. That's right. It's uh, just the good thing about this is you're not technically related to anybody. Right. Now, real quick, back to Three Hots and a Cot. I've I had the good fortune to meet the people that run that. And yeah. even one lady that... Uh, that was that went through the organization or went through the program yes and she talked just absolutely so highly of of this organization and meeting the people that run it uh, and having them explain to us because you were there as well um what they do and the good work that they do it's just you're right i couldn't think of a more deserving organization No, it's men and women. It's all ages. They have um, from, I think the oldest is like in his 80s or 90s, 80s maybe. And then, you know, as young as you can imagine, someone who's old enough to be a veteran. And their transport van was stolen, and then it had some mechanical problems, so they had to get a new one. So what we're hoping to do, and I think it's like $7,000 they owe on that. So that's what we're hoping, that we can cover the cost of that so they can put the money they're putting into transport or take them to the hospital, the VA, or to work or whatever and they don't have to worry about that payment anymore and they can invest the money that um, comes into three hots and a cot directly into the veterans so that's our goal um, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll get there because enough people want to support veterans and and support this this whole cause so fingers crossed we are able to accomplish that goal and it just takes as many people who want to come you can go online to ironcitybham.com and look for the Jawbone Jam Wednesday night, this Wednesday. Yes, uh, and uh, like you said, two bands, everybody from 99.5 is going to be there. Some people have the concern of it being on a Wednesday night. That's been explained on air several times as to why oh, yeah. you guys are doing it, and it's yes. it's completely City, understandable. 
Right. Iron City let us, because they're booked up with concerts. I don't know if you've been to that venue, but it's awesome. But they had that night open and they allowed us to use their facility basically for free. They didn't charge us so we can put all of our money in. God bless Iron City because they're, you know, they're letting us take we're, you know, we're all combining the draw from the door and handing it over to three hots and a cot. And trust me, I have to be up at 345 the next morning. I understand what it's like to go out on a school night and a work night. And we're all in this together, people. We yeah, got this. No doubt. I, and I'm, I'm excited to be there as well. And, and I'm going to wake up early, one, to, to go to work, but two, yep. just in case you or Matt Murphy call <laughs> out. And then I get that call from Donay at the last minute. Hey, uh, um, oh, what are yeah. you doing? Or I need some cigs. I, do, I, need yeah. some, I, mean, I need some filterless. What I mean, come on, dude. Murphy didn't show up. I need a 15 pack of Natty Ice. And and you and you please come on in and we'll just get this show done. Yeah, it's, it'll be fun. And I'm so glad you're going to be there. And um, as many of your fans as possible, we, we would welcome with open arms. Come on in. Certainly. And even if you just want to contribute to the three haunts in a yes. cot, just stop by for five or ten minutes. Meet Ani, meet, meet Murphy, uh, the rest of the guys. Even say hi to me. It's not going to. It's not going to be uh, any trouble for you to stop by no, and then go back to the house. Uh, Murphy tweeted out just uh, four hours ago that he plans on, I think he said Bradley Byrne. Uh, yes. Terry Lathan, who is the chairwoman of the GOP here in Alabama. Yes. Uh, John Merrill, Steve Marshall. Yep, Secretary and, of State, the Attorney General, Will Ainsworth, the Lieutenant Governor, wasn't able to make it. Um, I haven't spoken to our fair governor. She and I kind of had a falling out over the gas tax. So we have a detente, kind of a cooling off period. But she she won't be there. But I, I was impressed. Like, we're going to have – and John Merrill announces tomorrow whether he is or is not running, which, let's face it, no one holds an announcement to say they're not running for the U.S. Senate. So we'll have at least two if, – if Merrill – throws his hat into the ring, which we assume he will, we'll have two candidates. What if Roy Moore showed up on his horse? Well, on Sassy? I was Wouldn't about, that be funny? <laughs> I was about to say uh, Murphy gave me a plus one, so that may be the guy oh. that comes with me. Well, he better wear the little vest and bring the little gun and the hat because we expect him to be in full costume. <laughs> did you see him walking in? You remember the the rally he uh, did where he's holding the pistol up in the air and just kind of yes, that's what I want. I want that Roy Moore. <laughs> they want that Roy Moore. <laughs> I want uh, that one. It's going to be exciting. Uh, thank you for taking the time tonight to to call the show and kind of give us a heads up about that. We'll obviously remind people about that uh, tomorrow and Wednesday yeah. as well. We're very excited and I can't wait to see you guys. I know, same here. I'm going to go watch the newly released video of Jesse Smollett. The police department's released a bunch of videos of him, so i got to go. Uh, <laughs> oh, let me tell you, it's good. We're going to be talking about it a little later in the show. Excellent. And it I'll is be ready. absolutely precious. All right, Ani, talk to you later. <laughs> Bye, dear. There you go. There's Andrea Lindenberg from Talk 99.5. If you didn't understand any of that, no worries. What they're doing. Is having their third anniversary of the station's creation. I think the, the anniversary is actually already passed, but this is the celebration. This is the birthday party. It's called the Jawbone Jam. It's at Iron City in Birmingham, Alabama. So if you're in the area, starts at seven o'clock. Ten dollars to get in. There's uh, it you know it's it's a it's a, a concert venue. So they've got drinks and everything you need. Two bands playing. Leland is in one of those bands. Richard Dixon is in the other. AJ from Leland Live, he'll be on the ones and twos. He's going to be the 
the DJ for the event, and it's just going to be some exciting stuff. Some very important people will be there, so you don't want to miss it. I think they've got all that information on talk995.com, talk995.com, and uh, you can probably purchase your tickets there as well. So go check that out. I'll be there. Uh, Trish, we've got every intention of my girlfriend Trish coming with me. It is her daughter's birthday that day, so it's we're we're kind of hit or miss on if we're actually going to be if she's going to be able to pull that off. But hopefully she will. We have intentions of making that happen. If not, I will uh, drag her there anyway. But I'm excited about it. They also have lots of new merch and stuff. If you're interested in any of that, make sure you hook it up. All right, let's get into some news. You guys are listening for the news, not for me to talk about events and Uber stories. So let's get cracking up first. What do we got? Uh, let me do this. Let me let me start by talking about the Democrat field, the Democrat primary field for 2020. Uh, it's a mess, okay? And right now there's there's not much you hear a lot of talk about polls at this point in the race and uh, this poll, that poll, what, uh, how reputable this poll is, how accurate that poll was during the election, so on and so forth. None of that matters. It's all for political nerds. It's for uh, pundits on TV to have something to talk about. It all means nothing because those polls right now are literally based on name recognition. They have nothing to do with how likely someone is to actually vote for someone in the primary. They throw out a bunch of names to them. They may know three to four of those names, and they say, yeah, out of those four, I I like this guy. Not really knowing what he stands for or what his platform is going to be for 2020 or any of that. They just throw the name out there because it sounds familiar or they know who it is. That will all change coming up later this week. I believe it's Thursday, what is it, 24th, 25th, 26th, so I think you've got one debate Wednesday, and then another debate on Thursday, so Wednesday and Thursday, Jawbone Jam is going to be going on during one of those debates, but that's okay, they will probably have that on some TVs in there, if they don't, y'all all got smartphones, y'all got ways to watch TV on your phone, so, uh, I know I'll be watching it while I'm there as well. So you can just come up to me and ask me what's going on. So that debate will change those polls drastically because we don't know how any of these guys are going to perform under pressure. We don't know how they're going to perform going up against other candidates that are trying to shut them down or make them look stupid or just rebut their their points or their you know what they're what they're campaigning on. They're like, no, I'm I'm the biggest freeloader in the field. No, I'm the biggest freeloader. And then Bernie Sanders says, you shut up. Nobody's a bigger freeloader than me. That's what the debates are going to sound like. Just a little preview for you. But Bernie Sanders, his big campaign, I don't know if you call it campaign promise, his, his big platform right now for 2020 is something that is being talked about by news outlets across the country for the past several days. 
and that is canceling all 1.6 trillion. You, know, you thought I almost said billion. 1.6 trillion dollars worth of student debt. We have 1.6 trillion dollars worth of student debt in this country. And Bernie Sanders' plan is to cancel all that out. Just with one fell swoop, cancel it all out. Get rid of it. Nobody owes a dime for their liberal progressive indoctrination that they got at the university of their choice. Now, why do Democrats want to do that? Well, there's there's two things, two, two points to that. One of those is they're not really going to cancel out everybody's student debt. This is strictly pandering. It's just like the reparations talk. You've heard reparations talk for two weeks now. For two weeks, the candidates in the Democrat field have been talking, heavily talking, about giving free money, that free money, quote-unquote, to descendants of slaves. Now, first of all, the process that they would have to go through to verify a particular person was a descendant of a slave seems seems like a grueling process, especially if there's going to be a lot of people. And you know there will be. There's, quote-unquote, free money on the line. People will be descendants of slaves for free money. Um, they have no intentions of doing that whatsoever. None whatsoever. So don't expect that. They will continue to talk about it, though. But they're not going to do it. Uh, The second point is... Actually, that may have been the only point. They're not going to do it. That's the bottom line. They're doing it to pander, which is standard during election season, right? It's, It's no surprise that politicians are spouting off the mouth about this, that, and the other... Uh, which are things that they have no no intentions of doing. This just happens to be a pretty big one and a controversial one at that. They are doing that to pander to the black voting base, the African-American community. That's That's what they're using to make sure that they keep those people locked in. And they're getting nervous because they're seeing black support for Trump rise on a daily basis. They saw an astounding number of African Americans vote for Trump in 2016. They said he wouldn't get one black vote from the black community. That one vote from the black community. And he shocked the world with a much larger percentage, and I don't have that in front of me, but it was bigger than anybody predicted. Everything was bigger than everything anybody predicted during the 2016 election. But that's where Bernie's at. That's what he's doing. Uh, You've got Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker. All these guys agree with it. They want the reparations. And they want the student debt. And I think Kamala Harris danced around it a little bit and said, uh, they asked her if she supports reparations. She said, I support 
having a serious discussion about reparations. What a cop out. <laughs> I support having a discussion. Uh, so that's where we are on that. That's where Bernie's at. You'll hear a lot of that uh, Wednesday and, and Thursday night. I don't I don't know which night Bernie's on there, but I know he's in the same uh, debate as Biden and, uh, and Kamala Harris, maybe. I'm not sure. They divided it up because there's so many. There's like 10, I think 10 per debate. So they had to do two. You saw them do that with the Republican field last time. But there's even more Democrats that some of these guys are getting left out, even with two debates. Nonetheless, it's going to be entertaining because these people are going to eat each other alive. Another candidate that I've watched a lot of pundits, and and this is why I want you guys to know, and I'm I'm not saying that you don't know this, but a lot of people have this, this frame of mind that if someone is on TV, for instance, if someone is on Fox News, they... They know what they're talking about. There's no way they could have gotten to the point in their life where they're being invited on Fox News or they work for Fox News. They've got to know what they're talking about as far as politics are concerned, or otherwise they would have never made it that far. Like That's a big deal. So you, you look at them and you say, okay, maybe there's some substance. But there's not. Because really, people on TV are actually just regular people that happen to have a cool job doesn't mean they're smarter than you doesn't mean they're more informed than you because most of the time they're not they're bozos they live in a, a bubble uh, an inner city bubble where they don't hear any real opposing ideas from the outside or really even hear from people in the real world they wouldn't mingle with those peasants they wouldn't get near those people don't don't even get near those deplorables. But I heard several of these pundits say that Buttigieg is the guy to watch, and it is highly likely that Buttigieg will be taking the Democrat nomination. He will win in the primary. Nobody's expecting it. And he looks like he's kind of hanging around the bottom and He might not really have that good of a chance, but you watch. As time goes on, he's going to shoot towards the top. And then Donald Trump will have to battle in a general election a guy aiming to be the first gay president in history, which is a big deal. It really works, doesn't it? She's like the first woman president in history. Um, that philosophy from those pundits has died off over the past 24 to 48 hours. And and this is how elections work. It all it takes is one unexpected thing to happen, and it can literally bury a candidacy. It can, it can bury a candidate and their chances for being elected, not just for president, but the, the... being elected to to, to, nom- to to be the nominee for their party. That's what's happening to, to Buttigieg. And I, I don't know that he can necessarily recover from this. He was at a town hall. Um, this was at Washington High School. And I guess it was in South Bend, Indiana. This is after he left 
South Carolina where they did this whole South Carolina caucus type deal where all the candidates went down there and told the South Carolinians, you know, what they stand for and what their plans are if they if they become president. Um, there was a situation where uh, a police officer had shot, shot a black man in his town, and this has resulted in a lot of angry people from the black community and protest and and whatever else you know you know the old thing that we we've been through we went through it a lot during the obama administration because race relations were in the dumps um but that's going on in south bend indiana right now well when he gets to this town hall and he starts talking about all the stuff and not really addressing that thing he starts getting pressed on it because why wouldn't you press him on it there's a lot of things that the press does not get after candidates for or things that they don't ask them that any responsible journalist would be asking them. But this one was a gibby. This one was no question something that had to be asked and the audience wanted to know because apparently he found out it was somewhat of a hostile audience. They asked him about it and he explained that the process of firing a police officer was set into law depending on the facts of the investigation and the contractual obligations. What does that mean? Well, he's saying we have to gather all the evidence and show that this police officer did something wrong in order to fire him. Well, the crowd was not happy with that answer. They then start shouting at Buttigieg. They start shouting at the police chief that is there at this town hall as well. And the moderator of of the forum, who was just there to, to be the man in the middle. Now he's being attacked. It was a mess. Here's a little bit of audio, actually, from that town hall, just so you can kind of get a feel of the tension in the room. So let's, one last question for uh, Mayor Pete and Chief Scott. Um, they ain't happy. <laughs> they ain't happy. And that continued on. That continued on through the forum where he was shouted down by angry people in the crowd. This is the kind of stuff, again, those are boundaries that are set by the Democrat Party, rules set by the Democrats, that they don't realize are going to affect them later on down the road. They fed into this anti-police narrative where they proclaim that we have an epidemic of racist police officers that are just looking to kill black people in cold blood. And most of us, with any sort of head on our shoulders, know that is bullshit right off the top. We know it is. But it's a narrative that the Democrats have created. So when Mayor Pete gets in a situation where this happens in his city... 
in his town and he has to address it, well, as the mayor, obviously you have to side with the police until they are proven to be guilty of what they're being charged with from the public. So he did what he had to do. He did what any mayor would have done in that situation. And he said, let's wait for the facts to come out. And anytime we've had this conversation, y'all know me. Y'all have listened to me on the radio for years. And y'all know I've always said in these situations, there's only one thing you got to do. Only one thing you got to do. And that's wait for the investigation to run its course Wait for the facts, then draw your conclusion. Too many people in America do not want to do that. And as soon as they read the headline or see the 10-second clip on the news, they then want to draw their conclusion. No time for facts, no time for some context to what happened. It is conclusion right off the bat, and chances are, 99.9, no, 100% of the time, it will be the officer's fault in their eyes. Now, Pete Buttigieg is realizing the monster that the Democrat Party has created. They set these boundaries, and they put them, they set so many boundaries, and they set so many rules that they get to a point where they can't even move without crossing those boundaries. They can't even do they they can't do anything without breaking their own rules or in some cases destroying their own narrative. And it's very very funny. It's very funny to watch, it's exciting. I know a lot of you guys get frustrated and angry with the state of the Democrat party and what they're trying to do to this country. And I'm a little cynical when it comes to this stuff, so it doesn't affect me as much, I guess. But when it starts coming back to bite them is when the quality entertainment starts. So that's going to be something else to watch for during these debates coming up. And there'll be plenty, plenty more to talk about on that front as we approach uh, the actual primaries we approach the actual uh caucuses and the votes from state to state on the other side outside of the election process you still have the narrative by the democrat party of impeachment impeach 45 impeach 45 over and over and over. Then the Mueller report comes out, and they're like, oh my goodness, he didn't collude with the Russians. But you know what? It's too late to turn back now. Impeach 45! Impeach 45! That's my Maxine Waters, by the way. Impeach 45! Pencil neck Adam Shift. I call him Shift, because I'm, I'm used to the shifty part of his name. Adam Schiff was on with Jake Tapper, I believe just yesterday. And Jake Tapper reminded him that there are still plenty of Democrats in Congress that are calling for impeachment. 
And seeing that Adam Schiff was one of the main guys early on leading this this Russia hoax investigation, that surely he is still on board with impeachment. But instead, this right here is what Adam Schiff said. Calls for the impeachment of President Trump. At least 75 House Democrats now, nearly a third of your caucus, support launching an impeachment inquiry. And the third-ranking House Democrat, Jim Clyburn, told me on the show earlier this month he believed President Trump will eventually face impeachment proceedings. Do you agree? I don't know the answer, Jake. Uh, certainly the administration and the president seem to be doing everything they can, everything they can to push us into an impeachment. Uh, and, you know, we may get there. We may get there. At this point, uh, as you say, a third of our caucus is there and two-thirds is not there. Um, what would get me to that point is if we get to a final court decision compelling the administration to provide testimony and documents uh, and they still refuse, uh, then I think we're in a full-blown constitutional crisis. There's that keyword, constitutional crisis. Notice he says, well, we got to see where the facts lead us. We got to see where the facts lead us and we've got to get this thing going and get the Trump administration to provide certain documents that we need to continue to conduct our oversight. This administration has handed over an unprecedented amount of documents, everything that the Mueller team asked for, everything that that group of people dead set on impeaching this president asked for, they gave it to him. Every freaking bit of it. But Adam Schiff's got a great idea. How about we get more documents? Fantastic. That would compel that kind of remedy. I may get there before that point, Jake, uh, so I continue to listen to people that I respect greatly within our caucus, constitutional lawyers like Larry Tribe and others, mm -hmm. um, and weigh this, uh, I think, every day and, and have continued discussions with the speaker about it. But at this point, I'm not prepared to recommend it. Now you said this. <laughs> so... Pencil neck has snapped, and he is no longer on the impeachment train. Now he's backing up a few steps, and he's going the Nancy Pelosi route, and he's saying, "Well, you know, I'm I'm not ready to recommend impeachment yet. I'm just not ready." <laughs> you know why he's not ready? Anybody want to guess? Raise your hand if if you want to guess. Anybody? He's not ready to recommend impeachment because he's got nothing. He's got nothing. Absolutely nothing on this president. If they did, they would no longer have a reason to continue this quote-unquote oversight. Because they'd have him, but they've got absolutely nothing $40 million wasted over nothing. $40 million. The only thing that this investigation has done is it has exposed corruption in the FBI. So really, if we're being honest, the Mueller investigation actually, it, it actually was bearing fruit. It did some good. It exposed the deep state. It exposed corruption at the FBI. 
that should make every single American in this country absolutely sick to their stomach and frightened, honestly. Honestly frightened over what we now know was happening in the FBI during that time. And then how this investigation was put together and conducted on the backside from the tactics they used, from the people they threw in jail for unrelated crimes, to the 13 angry Democrats, or however many it was. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But here's Adam Schiff. He's backing up. He's backing up his U-Haul truck, and he's saying, you know what? I am just not quite ready to uh, do the impeachment thing. And we all know why. Outside of that, on the same front, the Mueller report will be done in the form of a play now. That's right, a play. There will be an artistic, theatric reading of the Mueller report by A-list celebrities like Alyssa Milano, Sigourney Weaver, and many others. Let's see, who all do we have on here? You've got... Mark Hamill, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Sigourney Weaver, Wilson Cruz, Joel Gray, Annette Benning, Kevin Klein, John Lithgow, if I'm saying that right, not sure who that is, and plenty of others. It all centers around Robert Mueller's 448-page Report on Russia's interference in the 2016 election. See, Alyssa Milano's been teasing the the play's big debut on Twitter. She said, Speaking of exciting projects, look for an announcement at 8 a.m. Monday morning about an exciting performance I'll be doing tomorrow evening that you can all watch. Cryptic enough, I am embargoed until tomorrow. I don't even know what that means. But nonetheless, that play, based on the Mueller report, is actually apparently going down now. I didn't actually didn't even realize that. And I'm kind of looking, kind of looking to see if there's a... Uh... There's somewhere to watch it. Let me let me just do this number right here. Because if I could um Mueller play. There's only 130 tweets about it. Um nah, I don't see anything about it. We'll play some of it for you next time. Because I'm sure I'm sure it's absolutely riveting. And you guys would want to be a part of that. So that's what we got on the Mueller stuff. Now, on to radical Islam. Actually, on to London. Let's start in London. Now, London has been in our news cycle most recently because Donald Trump visited London. You remember that. He went to 
visit the queen. And before he even left, Mayor's London, London's mayor, Mayor Khan, Sadiq Khan, or whatever his name is, starts taking shots at the president, saying he's not welcome here. We do not support this president. And then they had this controversy where protesters were lining up. They had the big Trump baby blimp and all this stuff. And he approved them to do it. And he wanted this big production to show they do not stand with Donald Trump. They hate his guts and they want nothing to do with him. They don't want him in their city. Nothing of the sort. That's why London and Sadiq Khan has been in the news cycle. That's why you've seen the headlines. Now they're in the headlines for a different reason, and it's because of something that just continues to happen in this city. So while Mayor Khan spends his time bashing the president of an allied country, which doesn't seem like a very smart idea, but whatever. <laughs> Your most important ally. Um, while he's spending his time doing that, his citizens are being raped. They're being murdered. They're having acid thrown in their face. All in the name of radical Islam. It's amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. And the reason he's mad at Trump, at least originally, was because Trump called them out on their stupid immigration policies where they're doing their own, they're they're putting their own citizens in danger by letting whoever whoever wants to come over waltz right into the country even the baddest of people so you've literally got three people in two separate incidents over just a few hours in London yesterday had acid thrown in their face Think about that. Think about being shot, being stabbed, um, I don't know, falling off a tall building, all, all these things that sound like they would be incredibly painful. But imagine the pain and suffering you would have to go through after having acid thrown in your face. Really. <laughs> Think about that. That would suck, right? That's a whole lot of suck. That's happening in London. And this dude is instead spending his time bashing Donald Trump over things he said that basically predicted these things happening. <laughs> According to a spokesman, there was a guy preparing his clothes stall around 6.40 a.m. on Friday morning. Okay, this was back on Friday. And this is a guy that's got a store in their local market or whatever. He's preparing his, his store at 6.40 in the morning when he was assaulted with a corrosive substance. This according to the Metro Police there in London, their spokesperson. They said officers in the London Fire Brigade attended. The man was taken to an East London hospital for treatment, his injuries are not believed to be life-threatening. Although he will be maimed for the rest of his life. They said, it is alleged that the victim 
had been approached by two suspects, and ready for this? Both of them wearing burqas and had the substance thrown at him before they fled in a car that was literally waiting on them. So a couple guys, two or three guys, wearing burkas come up with acid and throw it in their face. This is what's going on. And shout out to Nadir. I guess that's how you pronounce your name. He's listening from Iran while we're talking. While we're talking about this. So literally, this is spiraling out of control in London. And they're doing nothing about it. They're actually making the problem worse because they're just opening their borders. They're just saying, come on in. Come one, come all. You got good intentions, you got bad intentions. Come on in. Come on in and throw acid in the face of our citizens. If you live in London, why on God's green earth would you ever, ever want to stay there? If you are interested in living in a civil society, why in the world would you stay in London? On the other side of that, since we're talking Islam, let's move over to Ilhan Omar. Now, Ilhan Omar, who is, as you know, a House member, a Democrat from the great state of Minnesota, she's in a little bit of trouble herself. Apparently, the Washington Examiner has uncovered some things, some financial things that are going to land her in some hot water. Now, first of all, there was already stuff uncovered, and it had to do with tax stuff. It had to do with her filing with a guy she wasn't married to. And I'm going to read you this, and I want you to try to follow. It's not easy, but maybe this will help you understand a little bit. So the Washington Examiner raises further questions about the marriage of Ilhan Omar to her first legal husband following a campaign finance investigation and closer mainstream media scrutiny. So the Minnesota State Ethics Board investigation found earlier this month that Omar had improperly used campaign funds to pay for out-of-state travel that was unrelated to her legislative duties and also, ready for this, to pay for her legal fees related to her taxes. So this report finds out that Omar had filed taxes jointly in 2014 and 2015 with a man named Ahmed Hirsi. Okay, now I'm slaughtering these names, but work with me because... Ahmed Hirsi, who was not her husband at the time. She was married at the time to Ahmed Nur Said Elmi. <laughs> so it was a different Ahmed. Now, this Ahmed 
she's married to at the time is not the father of the children she has. The, the, the children she has were fathered by the first Ahmed, Ahmed Hirsi. Now, Omar claims to have married Hirsi in an Islamic ceremony in 2002, then divorced him before marrying the second Ahmed legally. She then divorced the second Ahmed before marrying the first Ahmed legally. (laughs) But she had filed tax returns with the first Ahmed that she's back married to before she got remarried to him. And the IRS really frowns on that stuff. So the State Ethics Board's findings raise new question about Omar's marriage to Elmi. For years, there have been bloggers like PJ Media and Powerline and, and other places that had suggested that Elmi may have been her brother. We've talked about this before. That evidence comes in the form of an Instagram post, which is now deleted, that featured Elmi holding a child, allegedly Omar's, in referring to the child as his niece. <laughs> okay? Um, but, but on Sunday, the Washington Examiner reported it had found documents to suggest that Omar and Hirsi may have not may not have separated during her marriage to Elmi, adding fuel to the speculation the marriage have may have been made that they may have gotten married for immigration purposes. Which is not a good look when you're representing a district and a state in the United States Congress. And you're lying about who you're married to, to the IRS. It's just not. It's not a good look. Not to mention, doesn't that make you a really crappy steward of Islam? Especially if you're female, right? You're female, you're a follower of Islam, you are, I mean, let's be honest, Omar is is basically a domestic terrorist at this point. But the whole getting divorced and then running off with another guy? And then divorcing him and then coming back to the first guy. And then lying about it on your taxes. And then the one turns out to be your brother. Man. <laughs> and, y- and people think that that kind of stuff happens in Alabama. It's actually happening in Minnesota. And they're electing these people to Congress. Anyway, that's a story that I think is going to be interesting to watch. Don't know if anything will come of it or she will suffer anything, any sort of punishment outside of of monetary penalties. But it will be something we watch here on this show and we will keep you updated. Moving on to the border. Our southern border here in the U.S. of A. Mexican officials are now confirming First of all, the U.S. warned uh, Mexico about suspected ISIS terrorists coming up through Mexico to cross the southern border. Mexico is now confirming that that's a thing. And I don't know about you guys, but I personally suffered ridicule, 
which did not bother me, obviously. Ridicule for suggesting that members of ISIS or members of the radical Islam movement would be taking advantage of our broken immigration system, would be taking advantage of caravans coming up through our southern border. They would laugh at me and say, oh, you're crazy, you're just trying to stir up tension and, and you know, put, put terrorists in where terrorists are not at. And here we go. Now Mexico's confirming that it's a thing. There are ISIS terrorists trying to make their way. And the, the, the way I explained this to you guys in the past is when they were hemming these guys up at the border, they were from all over the world. They weren't just from Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras. They were from Bangladesh. They were from India. They were from the Middle East. They were from Iran, from Pakistan. They're using our very own broken immigration system. And that's why it is so important that immigration, the issue of immigration, stay on the forefront. Because if the Democrats are going to promote an open border, they're going to continue to promote an open border. They are literally putting American lives at risk. They're no better than than Mayor Khan in, in London. They're not. He's doing the exact same thing. He's using their borders to put the very people he promised to protect and serve in danger. Democrats need to be pressed on that every single day, and no one should let up on them. Because if it's not ISIS terrorist, it's Javier Morales who came from the southern border. He was deported not long ago, somehow got back into the country, stayed in Knoxville, Tennessee, and in January raped a woman, pinned her to the wall, and sexually assaulted her. He was deported and came back. And this is a story we hear time and time again where um, an illegal alien has raped or murdered somebody or had a tragic accident while they were drinking and driving and killed somebody in a, in a car wreck. As we find out the details, it turns out they had been deported three and four times. But they took advantage of our border being overwhelmed that is being propped up by the Democrats. They make their way back into this country and they continue about their scumbag business of raping and murdering and doing whatever. And this is a small, fairly small percentage of the people that cross the border. You've obviously got the people that are looking for a better life for themselves and for their children. But a fraction of those people are not looking for a better life. They're looking for a place to commit 
the most vile acts this this life, this planet has ever known. And they have no problem whatsoever continuing to get back into this country. So you've got that part of it. And then you've got the real humanitarian crisis that the Democrats refuse to talk about. And when they're when they're pressed up against the wall about this, they'll say, oh, no, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. But let's talk about family separation. Stories they won't talk about are stories like this one. Headline, two infants, one toddler and a woman found dead in Texas on the border. This is in McAllen, Texas. Sheriff's deputies and federal authorities are on the scene at a popular border park in the city of Mission after discovering the bodies of a woman, two infants, and a toddler near the banks of the Rio Grande. Authorities have not revealed if the victims drowned or if they died from another cause. Heat exhaustion. No telling what human smugglers were doing to these people. But this is happening on a regular basis. This is the real humanitarian crisis that should be talked about. But instead, the Democrats say the only humanitarian crisis is the fact that there's not enough blankets and there's not enough soap at these detention centers that we're having to send people to when they illegally cross the border. That's the real humanitarian crisis to them. Now, when you move over to what the Republicans are doing about this, or the Trump administration in particular, they have fought tooth and nail. And I've watched a lot of people, a lot of people that voted for and continued to support Trump, hammer him because a wall isn't built. Or hammer him because he hasn't magically fixed the immigration system. Which is something he cannot do on his own. He's got to have the help of the very people that are enabling this stuff. That are allowing this stuff to happen. That are promoting it. He's got to have their help. So what Trump has done at this point, he's decided that he's going to go into the belly of the beast. He's going to walk into the fire. And get on these mainstream news outlets, the people that trash him every second of the day, day in and day out. He's going to go on there and he's going to talk to these people. And he's going to explain to them where they're forced to air his words. He's going to explain to them the things that they won't report themselves. This is with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press from just yesterday with the president. I want to ask what's going down with the, these, the children in these migrant camps. The stories are horrible, Mr. President. You have children without their parents. You have kids taking care of kids. Yeah. You've, you've read these reports. I know people are coming to you. I know you think this is the Democrats' problem. Well, it, forget it. it. Why it aren't was. you doing some of it? Are they you are, ready? Are you, they are in terrible shape down there, Mr. President. Down in Homestead, Florida, that's where I grew up, it's, it, the, these, okay. the, the conditions are terrible. I agree. And Do it's something. been that way for a long time. Do something. And President Obama built the cages. Remember when they said that I built them and then it was 1914? Do two wrongs make a right? It was 2014. Chuck, just listen for okay. one second. Separation. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck, just, just listen. 
Quit talking for once and just listen. President Obama, I took over separation. I'm the one that put it together. What's happened, though, are the cartels and all of these bad people, they're using the kids. They're, they're, it's almost like slavery. Well, let's not punish the kids no, no, more. This has been happening. The kids are getting punished more. You're right. And this has been happening long before I got there. What we've done is we've created, we've ended separation. You know, under President Obama, you had separation. I was the one that ended it. Now, I said one thing. When I ended it, I said, here's what's going to happen. More families are going to come up, and that's what's happened. But they're really coming up for the economics. But once you ended the separation, but I ended separation. I inherited separation from President Obama. President Obama built, they call them jail cells. They were built Let's talk about what's happening Obama. now. Your administration, you're not you. doing the recreation. You're not even schooling these kids anymore. You've gotten rid of all we're that stuff. We're doing a fantastic job under the circumstances. The Democrats aren't even approving giving us money. Where is the money? You know what? The Democrats are holding up the humanitarian aid. It looks like these kids are being used as, as some, some, some sort of, is it hostage? Well, they, uh, it, first of all, Chuck Todd looks like he's about to cry. Sleepy eyes Chuck Todd. He's about to burst into tears like a woman waiting on her natty ice and menthol 100s. Okay? And then he has the audacity to say to the president's face that they are holding these kids hostage? If anything, them, our government, holding these kids is probably saving their life. Used, they are being used by very bad people on the but other side where they actually used. get paid, where their money is being made using them because our laws are so bad. Because if you have a child, you have an advantage. You know that better than anybody. And what should happen? But why let the political debate hurt these Chuck, children? We they could, could be infected, impacted for years. If the Democrats would change the asylum laws and the loopholes, which they refuse to do because they think it's good politics, everything would be solved immediately but they refuse to do it they refuse to do it. You, you know what if they change those i say i used to say 45 minutes it's 15 minutes if they changed asylum and if they changed loopholes everything on the border would be perfect let me ask you this why do you think nancy now chuck todd obviously excited that he's gotten an interview with the president but he is in a genuine frenzy. He's worked himself into a frenzy over this issue because he's bought into his own hype. He won't address the woman and the children and the toddlers that I spoke of just a moment ago that died at the border from God knows what. Chuck Todd's not going to address the formerly deported illegal immigrant that raped a woman in Knoxville, Tennessee. Chuck Todd's not going to address ISIS fighters that are trying to cross into this country to do harm to Lord knows how many people by coming up through our southern border. He's worried about us not schooling the children. Now, if you've paid attention to any of these um, any of these holding facilities for immigrants that are seeking asylum, which is I think what most of these these people are. If you've kept up with any of it and, and have actually watched investigative actual investigative journalism into these facilities, you would see 
that they're pretty freaking amazing. You would see a lot of you guys be like, you know what? I probably wouldn't mind going there for a couple weeks myself. That looks kind of nice. You're talking about game rooms, video games, warm beds, three meals a day, outdoor activities for these kids. They're not being held in cages, and they're no longer being separated from their family, even though the media continues to repeat that. The Democrats continue to repeat that. And they work themselves up into this frenzy to the point that when they do get these interviews, they treat the president with such disrespect, absolute disrespect, that they would never do to another president. Could you even imagine a fraction of this attitude being hurled at Obama in one of these interviews? A fraction of it. No, not a chance. It was even worse when Mike Pence went on CNN to be on Jake Tapper's show. Jake Tapper literally laughs at the vice president and treats him like he's just a nobody pundit that happened to, to come on the show to argue a point. It's sickening the way these guys treat the people that hold the highest office in the land. Here's some of that audio from Jake Tapper and Vice President Pence. Flow at our border, and that, along with border security, will end this crisis. I, I think Democrats would argue that they want to do a deal with President Trump, but he hasn't showed any inclination. But I do. First of all, I want to say one thing. I don't. I don't you, know where that would come from. This president. You, you, we, you, we have, we have you said a second ago that 90 percent of the people who get a, who get uh, detained don't Jake, show up for their court hearings, Jake. and the Justice Department says it's 60 to 70 percent. But I want to ask you a question about climate change. The director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, said in a January report on worldwide threats that the climate emergency is, quote, likely to fuel competition for resources, economic distress and social discontent. It's a, it's a priority for the DNI Coates. The EPA this week, however, rolled back part of President Obama's clean power plan, uh, letting states set their own limits for coal power plant emissions. Do you think human induced climate emergency is a threat to the United States? Well, what, what I will tell you is that we'll always follow the science on that in this administration. The science says but what, but what it we, is. But what we won't do, and the Clean Power Plan was all about that, was hamstringing uh, energy in this country, raising the costs of utility rates for working families across this country. But is it a threat? While other nations like China... And you know that's what they want. They want this administration to do something that is going to hurt the American people. That's why, that's why, that's exactly why the president calls these guys the enemy of the people. It's because they want you and me to suffer. They want you and me to suffer and be upset with the current administration to the point that we vote for their guys. They want us to be hurt financially, even physically, through illegal immigration. They want us to lose our jobs. They want our power to be cut off. They want our cars to be repoed. And they want us to blame the current government for it. India do absolutely nothing or make illusory promises decades down the road to deal with it. You know, the truth of the matter is with the advent of yeah. natural gas, with the natural gas explosion that's developing, with clean coal technology, 
We're seeing we're seeing a significant reduction but in is, carbon emissions all across this country. But is what people are calling a climate emergency, is it a threat? Do you think it's a threat? Man-made climate emergency is a threat. I, I think the answer to that is going to be based upon the science. Well, the science says yes. I'm well, asking you what you think. There's many in the science that... The science community debate, in your own administration, uh, yeah. at NOAA, yeah, I got uh, at, the, at the DNI, they all say it's a I threat. Look, look, what the but president has said, some what, what we've said is that we are not going to raise utility rates. Remember what President Obama said? But it's not a threat. He said he, said we, he had his, his climate change plan. He said it's necessarily going to cause utility rates to skyrocket, and that would force us into these green technologies. Now you've got Democrats all running for president that are running on a Green New Deal that would break okay. this economy. So you don't think it's a threat is all I'm saying. You don't think it's a threat. I think we're making great progress reducing carbon emissions. America mm -hmm. has the cleanest air and water in the world will continue to use market forces. We don't have the cleanest air and water in the world. We don't. Will you get back to me with some statistics but we're making, to show we're making progress. The absolute disrespect he shows the vice president. And he's dead wrong. Nobody has cleaner air. Nobody has cleaner water. Nobody takes care of this planet more than the United States. And I beg Jake Tapper to go to any country and test their, test their sewage-infested water, fill his lungs with their smoggy air, their polluted air. Knock yourself out. You're not going to find another country on this planet that takes care of the environment more than this one. Think about what companies, companies that back in the day used to put off all these emissions and things that were harmful to the environment. The regulations that have been put in place since then, the hoops that they have to jump through in order to make sure they're doing their part to keep the environment clean in this country. And Jake Dapper has the audacity to not only lie, bold-faced lie, to the vice president's face on national TV, but then to laugh at him? It's disgusting the way these guys are conducting themselves. Reducing carbon emissions, mm -hmm. we're doing it... They think they have the moral high ground, and that's why they're allowed to do this. They think they have the moral high ground. And, and honestly, there are a lot of similarities, since we were talking about radical Islam... There's a lot of similarities between the mainstream media, the Democrats, and radical Islam. You flip through the Quran. The Quran says that lying is a, is a sin. Lying is a bad thing, right? Unless you are lying to the enemy. If you are lying to the enemy to further your cause, then you get a pass on that. The mainstream media and the Democrats, they have that same philosophy. Some of the stuff they know they're lying about, and they continue to push it with a straight face. Technology through natural gas, through continuing to support as our administration you just is, rolled back all these clean, these clean. Turn back coal. to nuclear energy, clean energy. The answer, though, is not to raise the utility rates okay. of millions of utility rate payers across the country. You and the president just launched your re-election bid on Tuesday for we 2020. Did. Um, let me ask you, if foreigners, if Russia, if China offers your campaign information on your Democratic opponents, 
Should people... Oh, God, here we go. ...campaign accept it, or should they call the FBI? Well, I think we're very clear that we'll call the FBI. We'll call the FBI, okay. ...on this. Look... Well, the uh, president wasn't clear about it, but you well, are. Well, no, I, I take issue with that. He said he'd do both. He said he'd hear what they said and that he'd Well, that's, call not, the call, FBI. that's not calling the FBI. Well, you know, he, he said he'd call the FBI. And he, he said maybe he would. subsequent comments that he'd call the FBI. Look, we, th this administration, I'm very proud of what we've done to confront foreign interference in our elections. Mm -hmm. uh, we, had a, we had a good midterm election. I can tell you that the... Anyway, I can't listen to any more of that. It's disgusting, absolutely disgusting, the way these people conduct themselves. And again, they will do anything, anything to take down this administration. It's funny with him talking to Pence... You know, their their thing, they want to impeach the president. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They can say, oh, well, we just want to see where the facts lead us. But no, their number one mission, and it's been this, this, this mission has been their goal since day one, is to get this president out of office. And most people realize if you impeach the president, then the vice president takes over. And some people have thought that through, and they think, okay, well... You know, we get Trump out of the way, then we'll just make some stuff up about Pence. You know, we'll say he's anti-gay people and he hates homosexuals and and uh, America won't put up for that. And then we'll impeach him, too. And then the next person in line will be, you know, as you get down the line, it'll be Speaker of the House or whatever. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Could you imagine Nancy Pelosi being president? The Democrats don't even know what they're getting themselves into. Wanted to put Nancy Pelosi. But there was a guy, and I can't think of who this is, that conducted an interview. It was probably this campus reform guy, if you've ever watched any of those videos, that went around to people. Uh, uh, no, I take that back. It was InfoWars. It was some chick from InfoWars. And I think she was at a gay pride parade, and she was going around asking people, uh, or she was going around chanting, impeach Trump. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, impeach Trump, yeah. And then, and then she starts going, yeah, impeach Trump, Mike Pence for president. And, you know, they're still cheering. They don't realize what she's saying. She, she just keeps going, Mike Pence for president. And they're like, wait, what? Like, no, we don't want Mike Pence for president. Why would we do that? Well, you know that's what happens when you impeach the president. The vice president takes over. Oh, well, no, no, we don't want to do that. Maybe we can do something else. <laughs> Some of them were like, well, we just we just won't impeach the president right now. We'll just vote him out in 2020. She literally changed the minds of some of those people. It's crazy, though. They will do anything they possibly can to get this president out of office. You look at all the, uh, the, the, the tactic. Now that Roy Moore's back in the Senate race, which we're going to talk about that in future episodes as well, we're actually going to try to get Roy Moore on this podcast uh, and maybe, I don't know, talk some sense into him, possibly. Actually, you know, people that know him personally tell me he's horrible at taking advice, and I think most of us on the sidelines can tell that. But they will do anything. You saw it with Roy Moore, with the false accusations. You saw it with Kavanaugh. And you've seen it with Trump. How many times? And they'll still repeat there are 786 women that have accused Trump of sexual assault. He is a serial sexual assaulter. Well, now there's a new one. 
a woman by the name of E. Jean Carroll. She is an author, and uh, she penned a piece, I think in New York Magazine, maybe, that um, accuses President Trump of raping her in a department store dressing room 25 years ago. And just now she's coming out with it. 25 years ago, she claimed she was raped, not slapped on the backside, not kissed on the cheek, not hugged with a little Joe Biden reach around. She's saying she was raped by the president in a department store dressing room 25 years ago. That's a pretty bold accusation. So you would think if something like that happened, that, you know, you would want to pursue some sort of justice. You want to make this Donald Trump guy pay for his crime of raping you. Rape rape is nothing to take lightly. It's not. It's an awful situation that even for those of us that have never been through it, especially us men, it should make your stomach turn, just the thought of it the thought of somebody going through it. Democrats claim to want to stand up for those people, but actually they have no problem in ruining those people or their stories or the Me Too movement by using this tactic of false accusations. But again... You would think you would want some sort of justice. You would want to bring this awful man to justice that raped you 25 years ago. Well, she goes on the MSNBC. She's on Lawrence O'Donnell's show. Uh, this was just last week. And she was actually pressed. She was asked by Lawrence O'Donnell if she wants to pursue charges to make the president pay for these awful actions he committed over two decades ago. Here's what she said about that suggestion. Would you consider uh, bringing a, a rape charge against Donald no. Trump for this? Why not? I would find it disrespectful to the women who are down on the border who are being raped around the clock down there without any protection. They're young women. They've, you know, tried to come into the... They're, they're, as you know, they're there by the thousands. The women have very little protection there. It would just be disrespectful if I, you know, and mine was three minutes. I'm a mature woman. I can handle it. I can keep going. You know, my life has gone on. I'm a happy woman. But for the women down there and for the women, actually, around the world, you know, in every culture this is going on, no matter high in society or low in society, it just seems disrespectful that I would bring a it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. First of all, she sounds drunk and she sounds like Nancy Pelosi. She looks like Nancy Pelosi if you've seen her. I would not do that because I'm disrespectful to the people in the border. And the people around the world. And I'm a strong woman. It was only a three-minute rape. And I can handle that. Nobody believes you, lady. You gotta wonder, like, who promised her what? What amount of money is coming her way for doing this? She doesn't want to pursue it for one reason and one reason only. And that is because 
it didn't happen. If she pursued it, she would then have to more than likely testify under oath talking about the incident and what happened. She would then have to make that up out of thin air and she would perjure herself. So her concern is she would get found out and then spend some prison time. And nobody wants to do that over just trying to impeach a president or create a narrative that he is a serial rapist. That would be absurd. But that's what the left has come to. That's what the mainstream media has come to. This tactic, and I told y'all this during the Roy Moore stuff. This tactic, if it works for them, they will continue to use it. And they were using it before Roy Moore, so I don't want y'all to think that like this guy was the start of this. You know they were doing this to Donald Trump well before, because Donald Trump was... He was accustomed to that kind of thing. It had happened in the past. There had been payouts. There had been accusations that that were actually proven to be false. Because why? Donald Trump was a famous, very wealthy man with a lot of money. It's an easy way to make a quick buck. Accuse the guy of sexually assaulting you, threaten to take it to the press, and then take a $100,000 payout to keep your mouth shut. So when he ran for president, they just went back to the old playbook of money-hungry gold diggers and said, we'll use this to take him down. For anybody they don't like, they will do that. This goes back to the comparison of radical Islam. They have no problem with lying as long as it advances what they feel is the greater good. Because they have the moral high ground. They're the ones that know what's right and what's wrong. That's why they can tell you what to do, and that's why they can condemn you when you don't line up with their beliefs. That'll be an exciting one to follow. Uh, Before we get out of here, before we get out of here, I saw this headline right as I was starting the podcast, and it's very, very sad, actually. Uh, You know Beth from... Uh, Beth, I guess her last name's Chapman. Beth Chapman, she is the wife of Dog the Bounty Hunter, right? Uh, She is apparently in a medically induced coma. Now, it wasn't that long ago. I think she was diagnosed with throat cancer. Uh, Apparently, that has, after many hospital stays for her, has progressed to where it's put her in a medically induced coma, and that's obviously not a good sign. No telling if she's going to pull out of it or what the case is going to be, but just a sad situation. We've all watched that show. We all like that show. Y'all know y'all like that show. They were actually, if I'm not mistaken, I thought somebody posted a picture. They were in, like, Walker County or or, or Florence or somewhere just a few short weeks ago. Arresting some guy. I guess he came all the way from Hawaii to Alabama <laughs> to to arrest some somebody. Which hey, there's there's big money in that that bounty hunter business, big money. So when you gotta travel for work to go make that bread, that ain't no thing. You'll travel to small town Alabama to get a cool ten thousand dollars or whatever that may be. So that's out there. 
Also, Jussie Smollett, the Chicago police have released investigative files, which include the video of them entering Jussie Smollett's apartment where he then told them the story of what happened while the noose is still around his neck. Y'all remember that part of the story? They said the police got there and the noose was still around his neck. That's actually a thing, and now we have video of it. Here's the report actually coming from ABC7 Eyewitness News. This is out of Chicago, and I'll just I'll let you hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Videos that we have been pressing police to give up for months, starting with that frigid January night when Smollett's manager calls 911 to report that the actor had fallen victim to a hate crime. Chicago police arriving at Jesse Smollett's apartment in Streeterville, greeted by the Empire TV show star with a rope coiled several times around his neck, claiming that two attackers wearing Make America Great Again hats doused him with bleach and put a noose over his head. So <laughs> he's standing here in his kitchen. He's wearing this very... Uh, how do I describe this? Okay, well, let's just say it's a very festive... Christmas sweater and he's got this very clean you know newly purchased white rope wrapped around his neck now I don't know what his face looks like if he's like dripping with bleach or whatever the case is because they've got his face blurred out I guess they did that initially to protect his identity but there's no no reason for that now but uh, that's just the visual so you've got the visual on there Police have blurred Smollett's face in this video that we obtained under a freedom of... Oh, well, he's taking care of that for me. It's meaningful. It's kind of, it, makes, it makes me emotional. It's, they put a makeshift, what do you call the thing? A noose around his neck. Sorry, you know. And that's what bothered me. The cut thing doesn't bother me at all. If that makes any sense. You're filming us, right? Yeah, this is all being If you want. If it's in his house. Huh? They're filming you. You're being audio and read. Like audio. I guess when I, I mean, they didn't know they were walking. Okay, so can we turn it off? Yeah, you're giving us permission to shut it off. So they've got their body cams going, and he's like, "I don't really want y'all to record this. Could y'all cut the cameras off?" So they do. They're like, "Just making sure you're giving us permission to do so." And then they show the video footage of the uh, the Nigerian brothers that committed this attack, his his friends or his trainers or whatever they were. And it's the video of them in the Uber in the back seat, and they're wearing full-blown white hazmat suits. No wonder Jussie Smollett thought these guys were white, right? No red hats or anything, just a full-blown hazmat, white, clean hazmat suit with hoods on them. And as they're getting to their destination, you can see them in the backseat, pull the hood up and tighten it to where it's just this little hole showing just a small portion of their face where I guess they can breathe and yell, make America great again while attacking Jesse Smollett. They, they look like Kenny from South Park. You know, he's got that the hood thing and it's, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway. That's uh, that's very entertaining. If you haven't watched that video, go online, Google it, whatever, and uh, check that out because that's highly entertaining. Also, 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 
Headline. Wedding crashers inspired woman to poison fiancé with eye drops. They're talking about the movie Wedding Crasher. We're at Wedding Crashers. That's like Owen Wilson and who uh, Vince Vaughn, I think, is who's in that movie. This is out of North Carolina. This woman, uh, being inspired by wedding crashers, tried to poison her fiancé by sneaking eye drops into his drink, according to police. Now, this was... It's kind of confusing because they're talking about wedding crashers. This is not at a wedding or anything. This just happens to be a couple that is engaged to be married. She just happened to watch the movie the night before. Uh, Jamie Cruz, who is 31 years old, was arrested on felony counts of distributing uh, some words I can't pronounce food after she told police officers that she watched a scene from the wedding crashers the night before the incident. In the scene, the character played by Vince Vaughn agged on Owen Wilson's character to use visine eye drops to poison the drink of rival Bradley Cooper's character. So WFLA is reporting that Cruz allegedly told officers she wanted to spike her husband-to-be's soda so she could leave him and take their six-month-old daughter away from the home without him interfering. She wanted to do that so he would then get extreme diarrhea and be stuck on the toilet, I guess. Her 34-year-old fiancé, however, caught on to her plan, asked her what she had been doing, and escaped to a locked bathroom to call 911. Now this sounds like it's a much better movie than Wedding Crashers. They should consider recreating this and making this Wedding Crashers too, if there's not already one. Um, the, uh, the, the fiancé told dispatchers this, quote, she said she wanted to talk to me. We're talking. Now keep in mind, I, I believe he's in the bathroom at this point. She says, does your stomach hurt? I said, no, my stomach's not bad. It's been hurting a little bit. Well, she comes walking back into my room. When I walk in there, she's pouring stuff into my drink. Okay, this is before he went in the bathroom. Uh, when he asked what his partner was doing, she replied, quote, Oh, I'm trying to give you diarrhea. <laughs> she said, I was trying to make you get diarrhea so I could incapacitate you. I want her out of my place. He said, that's not sane behavior. I'd say so. This chick's bond was set at a measly $2,500, and she is awaiting her next court date. That could have killed the guy. It actually could have killed the guy. But yet, she gets off with a measly $2,500 bail. I think it's a little too light, but uh, I'm no judge. I'm no prosecuting attorney. I'm no DA. Well, I am a DA. Just not that kind of DA. But there you go. Watch them women, y'all. They're crazy. They're crazy.
This has been your latest edition of Over the Line. Please check out the website, overthelineshow.com. You need to email me. Email me at andrew at overthelineshow.com. Andrew at overthelineshow.com. Also, I'm on social media. As most of you know, the Over the Line page. We just hit 3,000 followers on Over the Line. Make sure you share that with your friends and family. Get as many people on there as we possibly can. Let them know about the podcast. Show them how to listen, especially your older family members. Mama and them. Let them know. Go over to their house. Show them how to pull it up. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook it up. Don't forget, also, Jawbone Jam, Talk 99.5 here in Birmingham, Alabama, at Iron City, Wednesday night, starting at 7. I'll be there. Come see me and the rest of the crew there at 99.5. I'm out of here. Y'all keep making America great again. And until next time, see you, cuh. Yeah.